Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, let me pray. Uh, Father, thank you for who you are, all that you are doing and all that you're about to do. And I pray that we would just be tuned into what you're saying and what you're doing um, in this hour and in this day. Uh, and that we would cling to you with all that we have and all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we're doing this series, thanks Reeves, um, The Gift of Relationships. And this is the final week in this, in this series when we've been looking at relationships. And in the first, week, the first week, we looked at greeting one another. Kind of simple, really, isn't it? You just think, say hello. But for some people, this was a revelation. They're like, oh, okay, I'll give that a go. So this has kind of been eye-opening for some people. Others of us are like, I've been doing this my whole life. What are you talking about? Uh, and then in the second week, we talked about introducing someone, getting to know people on a deeper level, uh, connecting people, um, just going deeper in our relationships. And then last week we talked about what it is to follow up, what it is to do life on life, skin on skin. And for some of us, that's kind of a scary kind of idea, like to be up close and personal, because not only are we getting to know people, people are getting to know us. And there's a level of vulnerability that comes in and we're like, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable being that well known. Um, but it's actually essential for us, not only as followers of Jesus, but for us as humans. We need that connection. We need to know and be known. Um, and that's part of just being human, that we could actually relate to each other on that level. And then today, we're going to talk about thank someone. Thank someone. Say thank you. Revelatory, isn't it? That we would actually have this. Now, when we went to America, one of our friends that had already been living in America, they gave us a heads up. They said, oh, when you say thank you, like you're in a shop or in a cafe or a restaurant, you say thank you, they generally just respond, uh-huh, yep. So don't be put off by it. It's just the way that they operate. Because we're kind of like used to, you're welcome, no worries, whatever it might be. But for Americans, some people would say no worries, but a lot of Americans are just, uh-huh. So I'm glad that we had the warning because otherwise I'd been like, why are you being rude? I said, thank you. Show some respect. But uh, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just, I didn't think it was that funny, okay. Um, it's just how they operate. Um, and that's just part of their code book. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. And if you kind of look at this and you think, wow, that's really simple. I kind of wanted to rephrase it so we could get a different handle on how we might actually look at these four ways of operating. Thanks, Ruby. So the first one, rather than greet one another, it says, I see you. I see you. And the next one, Ruby, was I want to connect with you. In introducing somebody, in being introduced to somebody, I want to connect with you. I want to get to know you. And the next one, in terms of following people up, is I want to know you. I actually want to do life together. I want to go deeper. Sometimes that's scary. Sometimes it hurts. You know, when we, when we get to love people, when we know people so much, and Simon talked about the, num- the amount of time we need to spend with each other in order to get to really know people, to go from acquaintance to friend to close friend and the number of hours that takes. Well, we can get hurt in that process. We generally do. When we love somebody, we're letting them in and they're letting us in, but we're actually getting to know each other. They're knowing us, I'm knowing them. 
my, me and my wife, we, uh, we know each other the best. Out of everybody in our lives, everybody in our circles, we know each other the best. Who has the greatest potential to cause me hurt? She's not going to do it because she loves me, but there is that. We upset each other, we hurt each other, we get frustrated, whatever it might be, we can actually cause each other the most hurt. We have hurt each other, but we've also had the opportunity for the greatest reconciliation, the greatest forgiveness, because we desire to know each other more and more, more and more. And you never stop. You never actually know somebody completely. Husbands and wives, you know this because uh, does your spouse ever stop changing? Mine does not. I'm always learning because she keeps changing. Her preferences, what she likes, what she doesn't like, what she's thinking about, what stage of life we're all in, they keep changing. So there's always an ability to get to know her and for her to get to know me. And then finally, to thank somebody is actually to say, I value what you do. I value what you have done. I value what you're doing in this moment. I'm really thankful for what you're doing. Can, can, I, can I make this suggestion that when somebody says, thank you, can we, can we not say, oh, I was nothing? Like, oh, that really grates on me. Oh, you can do what you want, really. Look, for me personally, when I say thank you to somebody and they're like, oh, it was nothing. And I'm like, no, it was actually a big deal. That's why I'm saying thank you. You can say, like I'd even take the American, uh-huh, over it was nothing. Because like when I say thank you, I'm valuing you and I'm valuing what you have done for me, for the, it might be for the church community, for my family, whatever it might be. But when you say it was nothing, I'm like, ah, it was something. And when you say it was nothing, it was like you're kind of disregarding the value that you've had in my life. Does that make sense? So if you say it was nothing, eh, don't. Another one, I kind of laugh, but oh, it grates, is when, say somebody sings, and we have some incredible people that lead worship and play instruments, and you say to them, um, oh, that was amazing, thank you so much. And they say, oh, it was all Jesus. Well, no, it was you. You're, you're the one standing here, you're the one playing the instrument, you're the one that's led, whatever it might be, it, was you. it might be Jesus within you, absolutely. But if Jesus was here, like I heard somebody say, if it was Jesus singing that song, worlds would have been created, like he would have shifted heaven and earth when he sang that song. All right, you were good, but not that good. All right, when, when I thank you for what you've done, for the gift that you've offered and you shared with us, you're welcome. We'll do, oh, or just share it what it was like for you, but don't say it was Jesus, because it's Jesus inside you, it's Jesus inside me, because we're all different, we all make up the body, yeah? So we all reveal Jesus in our own different, unique ways. I could, I don't write my messages out word for word, but I could write this message out and then give it to Narelle to bring, and she would give it completely differently to the way that I do it, Yeah? but it's still Jesus through us, all right? That's the wonder of God that He's like, I'm going to create, I'm going to have my body on earth and it's going to be multiple people revealing my glory and the wonder and majesty of what I'm like in all their different, intricate, detailed, spectacular, messy ways. Like, isn't it an amazing way for our Creator to operate? I find it fascinating, all right? So when somebody says, Thank you. What don't you say? 
It was nothing or it was all Jesus. All right, good. Well, that's the message. Amen. Uh, no, it's not. Let's turn, let's uh, go to some scripture. Jesus help. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. When you think of thankfulness, if you, if you know your word, if, um, if you've been Christian for a long time or you're reading through your Bible and you think of thankfulness, you probably kind of think of this um, passage that uh, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi um, and it came straight to mind thinking about thankfulness and I know it's kind of um, to be expected, I can't think of the right word there, but I thought it was a good one to, to, to touch on anyway and I think it's really important considering where Paul writes from. So Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi I want to give you some context. And he's in prison. All right? Now let's read uh, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm, Isn't that good? That is some solid meat right there. Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's Paul, locked up in a prison, and it's not the prisons we have of today. It's damp and dark and dingy. It's probably underground, and he's locked up. And he's writing this letter to another church who's going through persecution. So Paul knows that Philippi is undergoing persecution from those outside the church. And so he writes to encourage them. And he's like, brothers and sisters, we are in the same situation. You're persecuted for your faith. I'm being persecuted for your faith. Here's what you need to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. That's how much it means to Paul, that we don't actually get weighed down or waylaid by the persecution, the trials, the suffering that we go through, but we actually rejoice in the Lord always. Now, some of you are sitting there and like, if you knew my life, you would know that rejoicing is next to impossible. I'll read through that. Rejoicing, be gentle, don't be anxious, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I'm like, how am I meant to do that in the middle of the trial and the suffering that I'm going through? Well, it's a choice. It's a choice that you and I have to make to actually enter into this kind of relationship that we completely depend on our Father in Heaven. Where we do rejoice despite what we're going through. That we're not anxious for anything. That we're gentle. uh, Our gentleness is evident to all. Because it's actually these things that will show the world that we are followers of Jesus. And how much we depend on Him for His support, for His love to infiltrate our lives and to shine through us to the world around us. It's a choice that we make. And we have to make this choice. We have to be diligent. Sometimes it's easy. Life is going easy. Everything is lined up. Everything's going to according to plan. The, bedroom, the kids' bedrooms are tidy. There's petrol in the car. The pantry's full. The jobs are going well. We're getting paid enough. Everything's peachy. It's easy to rejoice in those times. But when the kids aren't as obedient as we like, when the, pet, the car's nearly empty of petrol, when there's only a tin of baked beans in the pantry, and don't get me wrong, I love baked beans, when all those things aren't working out for us, when there's strife in our home, like some of the things that Narelle talked about at the start of the service, when our marriage doesn't feel great, when our employment doesn't feel great, when our family and our connections, when nothing feels great, 
How are we going to respond in those moments? We have to make a choice and we have to be intentional about this because nobody else can do it for us. And time and time again, I've seen it where nothing, like it's, it's just grey skies all around. It seems like nothing's working out. But when we actually turn our hearts, when we turn our attention and our affection and we fix these things, we fix ourselves on God and His goodness and His provision and we rejoice despite our circumstances, we see His glory shining through. We see His faithfulness. We see His provision. And we actually, we watch the anxiousness melt away because we choose to worship Him. We choose to fix our eyes on Him. We give thanks, maybe for the circumstances that we're in, maybe in spite of the circumstances we're in, because He's the one that supports us. He is our rock and our refuge that gets us through. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, if, if you've heard me, most of you would have heard me pray. Pretty much every prayer, I start by thanking God. Uh, and I don't even know when I started doing that, but when I thank God, it actually aligns my heart with His will and purposes. It aligns me with what He's like and what He's doing. Because then I'm not coming from a position of, well, like, here, God, just meet my needs. God, just do what I want you to do. And not that that's necessarily any of my prayer, but as Paul says, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. All right, so I'm going to thank God. I'm going to start by actually thanking God for what he's like, for what he's done, for who he is, for, for the testimonies that I have, for the stories that I already have of what God is like in my life. Do you know, where I think we've shared it before. When we were living in America, um, there was a couple of times when uh, there was nothing in the bank and we had some trouble with some cards and Narelle would go to shop and go shopping at Trader Joe's and a couple of times, but one particular time, she goes through the checkout, hands the card over and it doesn't go through. And Narelle's like, I've got no money. Um, and Nero would say, if it wasn't for the fact that she had all those, you know, the, the bags that we have now, um, that she had there and all our groceries in those bags, she would have just walked away. But she couldn't because all our, you know, bags were there. Um, the guy behind, the guy at the checkout, pulls out his card and pays for our groceries. And so many times in our lives we've seen that kind of provision where we're, we're looking at the situation and we go, I don't actually know a way forward. The only way forward I know is for God to move in this moment. And the only way for me to approach God is to come, with him, to, come to Him with thankfulness. So now, like, we don't, we don't bargain with God. We don't say, well, God, you better come through, you better do this because you've done it before. I say, thank you, Father. I know that you're a good God. I know the stories that I have with you. I know the testimony of your goodness and your provision. I know what you've done for us before, God, and I know that you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm not going to be anxious when I run out of money. I'm going to trust you, God. Not that we're stupid with our money, but we also know what it is to completely rely and depend on him for his provision to fulfill his purposes. And we give thanks in all those circumstances. Because we love to see what God can do that we can't do. We love to see God move in ways that are just beyond explanation. And to see him get all the glory for what he's doing in those moments. Turn with me, uh, Luke chapter 17. 
Actually, stay there in Luke 17. I'm just going to go to uh, Proverbs. I want to read a couple of Proverbs to you. So remember the verse that we've just read from Philippians 4, okay? Rejoice always, let your gentleness be evident. Here's uh, the Old Testament version of it. Proverbs 17, some wisdom. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Do you know, thankfulness actually has health benefits. Like, if, to live a life of gratitude is actually healthy for you. And you can go online, you can look up medical studies now that show this to be right. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A thankful, a, a heart full of gratitude is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. It, it's true. Like, we see this time and time again. Like I said, you can go online, you can look up numerous medical studies, academic studies, where they have studied people that operate from an attitude of gratitude and people that don't have that same gratitude. And they see a marked difference in how healthy they are, how well they can concentrate, how well they sleep, how well they connect with those around them. Here's the wisdom from thousands of years ago being proven correct by medicine science today. So when we actually live our lives of thankfulness rather than being anxious, when we choose thankfulness, it's actually good for us. I don't know about you, but I would like to maintain health and longevity. And I can actually do that by maintaining thankfulness and being thankfulness no matter what the situation. This is another one. Um, it's not just about thankfulness. It's actually about everything uh, with I- that we think about in our lives. Eight, Proverbs 18.21, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What you say has immense power, okay? We're, I think we've talked about this before. We are made in the image of God. How did God create the world and the universe around us? By speaking it out. He spoke and things were. And we are made in His image. Our words, what we say, have power. So when we are bitter, when we are argumentative, when we are angry, when we are anxious and we speak those things out, they actually have influence on ourselves and the people and the things around us. Okay? You find somebody who complains a lot and asks them how their life is going. And they will complain about every aspect of their lives. You find somebody who is thankful in the smallest details of life and they will find the gold amidst the rubbish heap. Because our words have power and what we speak about comes to be. I'm, I'm not making this up, it's in the Bible. Alright? Your words have power. The way that you speak, not just, about, not just to one another, the way you speak about one another has power and the life and life and death is in your tongue, is in my tongue. This, the Lord re- spoke to me about this a few years ago. I was like, oh my goodness, what have I been doing my whole life when I complain about people, when I whinge about people, when I bring people down, when I joke about people rather than actually building people up with my tongue? What thanks am I going to put on my tongue to proclaim and help shift the atmosphere? This is a bonus verse. It's got nothing to do with anything, but I love it. Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favour from the Lord. 
That's just a good verse, isn't it? Yeah, okay. That was just a bonus, sorry. It was better than you think. Um, All right, Luke 17. Thanks for staying with me through that tangent. You'd all be in Luke by now. I don't know why, I prepare for messages throughout the week and every time I need Luke 17, I can open up straight to it. Now, here, today, can't find it. I've got it, Luke 17, uh, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. All right, he's in enemy territory, not where good Jews hang out. They'd make their way through wouldn't divert from that, not friendly people uh, for the Jews. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy uh, met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I love that. I love Jesus, and this is one of the reasons. He never heals anybody the same way. You go through, you write down, you record all the miracles of Jesus, all the healings that Jesus performs, not one of them is the same way. I mean, how about the blind guy and Jesus makes some mud with his spit and rubs it in his eye and then goes and tells the guy to wash it off in the river. Like, if we did that now, that wouldn't go over well. Anybody blind here today? <laughs> no? Okay. Most people would probably prefer this, that we actually can just cry out from a distance, Jesus, have pity on us. They don't even ask for any healing. They just say, Jesus, have pity on us. And Jesus, when he sees them, obviously he sees the condition. Leprosy um, applies to any kind of skin condition that created distance for these people. Jesus sees them, discerns the suffering that they're in and says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. This, mm, this is the point. Many of us want a relationship close enough with Jesus that he can change our lives, but not close enough that we have to change. Does that make sense? We're like, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross. Thank you for your blood that washes me clean. Thank you that I am saved forevermore and I will live forever in heaven. Absolutely all true. But the minute that Jesus, either directly or through one of our brothers and sisters, actually, sorry, I'm yelling. One of our brothers and sisters says, hey, there's an area of your life that actually needs to be changed. I don't feel like that's really revealing Jesus in your life. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a minute. So, and this is a sweeping generalization. I know that. I just feel like this is something that we need to talk about in this moment. We want to be, we want to be close enough that Jesus can impact us and miraculously shift whatever is wrong with our lives, but we don't want to get close enough that we could actually be completely changed by Jesus. I, I'm not articulating it well enough. Um, The woman that was bleeding came right up against everything that the world taught her about, everything that society said that she should do. She came right up and touched the hem of the garment that Jesus was wearing and power flowed through her. The lepers stood at a distance because they were meant to. They weren't meant to get close. They knew that. 
They, get, they stand at a distance and say, Jesus, have pity on us. It's really easy to stand over and say, Jesus, do your thing on me. Fix me. Change this. Change my money. Change my marriage. Change my family. It's hard to actually push through the crowd and get up close to Jesus and touch his garment and say, Jesus. She didn't even say anything. But to actually come to the feet of Jesus and say nothing and just wait at his feet. That's hard. That's more vulnerable. That's more gutsy. That's more courageous. But that's what Jesus invites us to do. I'll leave that with you. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Everybody say cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, everybody say healed. Come back, came back, praising God in a loud voice. Mm -hmm. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. (gasps) Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Everyone say well. All right, there's a few things you need to kind of dig into here and I want to point them out for you. So we're going to get a little bit Greek, all right? You ready? You're excited? Yes, all right, good. I'll be excited for all of us, it's fine. Um, Cleansed, the Greek word there is katharizo. All right, you should remember this, there'll be a test. Um, Katharizo, which means to make clean, purge or purify, particularly in a Levitical sense. So Jesus says to the ten lepers, go show yourselves to the priests. So when people had leprosy and for some, where they recovered from leprosy, because they were kicked outside, all right? They, were, they lived in a separate community, separate camp outside the city. They weren't allowed to stay as part of the normal community. So Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. He's saying, you are clean enough to actually go and present yourselves to the priest and they will give you the stamp of approval to say you're clean enough to be allowed back into society. You get that? So he says, uh, "Oh, as they went, they were catharizo. They were made clean. They were purified um, on their way to see the priest and get the tick of approval. One of them, when he saw he was healed... The Greek word there, I'll mess this up, is iomai, which means to heal or make whole, free from errors or sins, and also to bring about salvation. So there's 10 of them, they all go, they're like, we're clean, we're clean, we'll go off to see the priests, and we'll be allowed to live back in our community. One of them's like, hang on a minute, I am physically well. He stops, the other nine keep going, this one comes back to Jesus came back praising God in a loud voice. So we don't hear from the nine. One of them comes back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, a foreigner. Jews and Samaritans, they were sworn enemies, okay? Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Okay, so we've had healed, We've had cleansed, we've had healed, and then we've got well. Now, well is the Greek word sozo. This is probably the one that most of us might know that we've heard about the place. And that means to save, to make whole, to deliver, to completely heal. All right? So we have 10 that are cleansed and go off to get the tick of approval. We've got one that goes, oh, I'm healed, I'm physically well, comes back glorifying Jesus in a loud voice, because it's okay to glorify Jesus in a loud voice, comes back 
And this one, Jesus says, you are sozoed. You are completely healed. You are saved. You are delivered. What's the difference between the nine that keep going to the priests and the one that comes back? Thankfulness. These nine took what Jesus gave, said, sweet. Thanks, JC, we're out of here. They didn't call him JC. It's all right, I was making that up, okay? Before you send me an email and say, hang on a minute, um, you'd be surprised. This one comes back praising God in, in, and Jesus says, was no one found to return and give... Uh, oh, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He's a foreigner. He's not even part of the Jewish crew. He comes back to Jesus, praising him and thanking him for what he's received. And he receives salvation and deliverance and complete healing the other nine didn't get. There are times... And Narelle talked about this at the start, that our faith actually needs, we need to physically act on our faith. Because we can sit here and think, I'll wait for my healing. I'll wait for deliverance. I'll wait for Jesus to show up and do his thing. And then I'll be peachy. Yep. And Jesus does that. Don't know how or why what the difference is. And we've had stories, people here in, in worship, people sitting here and they receive healing in their bodies. Love it. But our faith actually needs to move us, to cause us, to stir us, to respond and give praise and thanks to the one who saves us, to the one who cleanses us, to the one who heals us. It's one thing to be excited because something has happened, something has shifted because we're cleansed and we can be, once again, go back to the life that we had or we can be in community again. It's another thing to go, it was all Jesus. And to come back with praise and thanksgiving, to rejoice because of what he has done, because of what he has given to us. Does that make sense? What are you thankful for? Remember that song we used to sing, count your blessings, name them one by one? Do you, do you count your blessings? The, the, the modern, the, today's version would be 10,000 reasons, I reckon. That would be today's, the current generation version of count your blessings. We've just, here's a secret. In our family, we've just bought a notebook because we're like, we should come up with 10,000 reasons. So we've bought a notebook and we've started writing in it. 10,000 reasons to be thankful for God. Have you ever written down what you can be thankful about? Have you ever given thanks for what God has done or what he is doing? Even for the simple things, like uh, you live in Australia and you can complain about Australia and stuff isn't great. Last time I checked, we don't have to flee our homes for fear of persecution. Have you ever thanked God for flushing toilets? You should. Sorry, I shouldn't tell you you should. It's a great idea. <laughs> Imagine life without flushing toilets. Like millions of people around the world don't have flushing toilets or clean water. 
hundreds of millions of people. And I can just go to the toilet and flush it. We have 21 toilets in this building. That's 21 things to be thankful for. We can turn on taps and we have clean water. I know some of you will complain about Horsham water. It's still pretty clean. You can still drink it and you'll be okay. Yeah? We, we have clothes to wear. We can flick a switch and we have lights. I'm here with my family. I'm, I was thinking about this. I'm thankful that all of you choose to come and be a part of this on a Sunday, nearly every Sunday morning. Otherwise, I'd be preaching to an empty building. I would do it. But I'm thankful that you're here, not just for me, but because we gather as God's people and we can praise Him and we can be thankful. I'm thankful. My, our car is 10 years old. There's a few things wrong with it, but I'm thankful for it. And every now and then when I get into it and I drive it, I'm like, thank you, God, for this car. I can find stuff to complain about, but I can't be bothered. I'd rather choose to be thankful about the good things in my life, what God has done, what He is doing. And it is a choice. We can be the nine. I'm not calling anybody lepers. We can be the nine that are cleansed and just go on their way. Or we can be the one that actually comes back with praise and thankfulness and to worship at the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you have done in my life. Thank you for all that you are doing. Thank you for what you are about to do. Can we stand together? Please. Can you, just as we stand, you can either say it out loud. Yeah, yeah, come. Um, just as we stand, you can either say it out loud or just in your mind. Just pick something to be thankful about in your mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are good all the time. Thank you that you are a strong tower. Thank you that you are our refuge and strength. Thank you for our worship team, Lord, for the effort that they put in, the practice they put in. Thank you that they submit themselves to you. Thank you for this building, Lord, for the safety that we have, for your provision, for your guidance. Thank you for Simon, the way that he leads us and he loves us. Thank you for Andrea, for the way that she loves Simon, she loves us, and supports us. Thank you for these amazing people that give, our li give their lives to worship you and praise you. Thank you for the city that we live in, God. There's so much to be done, but there's already so much that's been done. Thank you, Jesus, we have clean clothes to wear. Thank you for the kids that are a part of this gathering this morning, for calling out, crying out, having needs that have to be met. Thank you for the mums and dads that bring them. Jesus, you are so good. You are so good. Thank you for chocolate. Thank you for Easter when we've got an excuse to eat chocolate. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. Your body was broken and your blood was shed. Thank you that by your stripes we are healed. We are healed. We are healed. Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Some of us need to be thankful for our spouse, even though we don't feel like it. 
Some of us need to be thankful for our kids, even though oh, we've, we're tired and it just seems like hard work. But they are a gift from God. Some of you need to look your children in the eyes and say, you are a gift from God. Mm. Jesus, we thank you for, we, for who you are. Thank you for what you have done and what you are doing in this place. Thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. Thank you for the life that you lived. Thank you for the authority that we have through you. Thank you that we can see your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus.